Would you please turn your copy of the scriptures to Romans chapter 7? If you're using the pew copy, you can find it on page 795. Today we conclude our study in the seventh chapter, and as many of you has, have already mentioned to me, we're looking forward to the beloved chapter 8. And we're going to look at that beginning next week. So teaser, no condemnation then we have before because of Jesus Christ. And we're going to come to the Lord's table and celebrate the fact that we don't face condemnation. Romans is a theological masterpiece that God used the Apostle Paul to pen for us, declaring to us the undeserved, the unmatched, and the unstoppable gospel of Jesus Christ. We are working our way through, through it little by little. We're in that third division where we are considering the, the assurance that the gospel brings to God's children, to followers of Jesus Christ. Just a quick refresher, chapters chapter 6 and 7 are a great big parenthesis and kind of follow up the end of chapter 5. Chapter 6 addresses an idea, of a, a, a warning to us that you can't just be spiritually sloppy. Well, I have grace, I can just live however I want to live now because I have God's grace. Uh, no, no, that's not what, what, what God is teaching us through Romans. Chapter 7 addresses kind of the other side of the argument that I need to keep the law. And I have to be really good at, at keeping the law and walking in obedience in order to be right with God. Paul's explaining that that's, a, that's another faulty argument, another faulty reasoning. So both of those ideas leave you with no assurance. And so Paul is, is kind of pulling us together here at the end of chapter 7 and explaining um, how we do have assurance uh, even if we're not keeping the law because we are unable to do so. Would you please follow along as I read from Romans chapter 7. I'm going to begin reading at verse 14 and read to the end of the chapter. Romans 7 verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Remember last week we said that's he's of the flesh. Verse 15. For that which I do I allow not... For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law, that is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me. So Paul says, I have the desire to do what is right, but the end of verse 18 says, But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, the good that I desire, I do not. But the evil which I do not desire, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that when I want to do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from, this body, from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Many of you contacted me 
this week in regards to last Sunday's sermon about how much that text resonated with you that the struggle is real. Post-salvation, the struggle remains real. Unbeliever, if you've gathered this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, you're not yet a Christian, there is hope for you in this passage, but only if you respond by repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus. Otherwise, there is no hope for you. None at all. Christian, for you, this passage has all kinds of hope for your ongoing struggle. That will happen today and later this week and next month and next year until Jesus calls us, calls us home or comes again. You see, even though the penalty of our sin has been paid, Christians still need daily deliverance because the struggle with sin continues. There is only one who can provide that deliverance, and his name is Jesus. The struggle we learned last week is evidence in my remaining flesh. Paul tells us that he is still of the flesh. The passage is the great apostle Paul testifying, uh, being transparent with the church by explaining that from, for, for him, the struggle is real. It's a personal testimony of the battle that rages in the life of God's children. He says, I don't even understand my own actions. I do not do the good I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Paul was perplexed by his actions. He says, I don't know why I do the things that I do. And there's not a Christian in this room who cannot relate to that. We, have all, we all have those times where we want to do right, and then we don't do right. Why? We remain of the flesh. We have remaining flesh. We are, still have sin around us. The struggle is evidence in my remaining flesh. We also learned last week that the struggle is evidence in my clear inability. Paul uses, in the, in the King James here, he uses the word perform. Um, or in other translations, we'll see uh, he's not able. In other words, he's acknowledging that he is unable to live as he should live. Specifically, he's claiming that he is absolutely incapable of wholly fulfilling the law of God, completely fulfilling the requirements of God's law. Newsflash, Christian, you're no better than the Apostle Paul. I'm no better than the Apostle Paul. None of us have the ability to completely fulfill God's law. It's not only that we find ourselves that, that what we're doing we don't want to do, it's that we don't even have the ability to do what we fully want to do uh, even though we want to do it. The struggle is evident in, in our remaining flesh. The struggle is evident in our clear inability. Last week we also noted that the struggle is evident in my dual desires. Paul was explaining that the struggle between the, sp the spirit and the flesh, Christian, the, the struggle between our desires for good and our practice for evil, it's strong. Those desires on both sides are strong, aren't they? We find ourselves wanting to do right, but choosing to do wrong. As we mature in the Lord, our sin is all the more glaring. And the normal reality for the Christian journey, as I said last week from Tim Keller, is that the more we become holy, the more holy we become, the less holy we feel. Paul says that the battle with sin 
occasional relapses into sin are normal for God's children. There is a, a battle of masters. We have a new heart. We have a new master. We are redeemed by God. But not until death or when Jesus returns will we be able to stop living of the flesh completely. And that brings us to the last couple of verses where we see, fourthly, that the struggle is evident in my helpless cry. Paul just uses verses 24 and verses 25 as a helpless cry to the Lord. It's kind of in two parts. We see first a, a declaration of misery. Sin is, is always lurking, isn't it? Crouching at the door and just kind of ready to, to pounce. We have the will to do right and the inward delight in, in God's law, but we don't always choose the right, and that leaves us frustrated. That, feels, that leaves us feeling defeated and discouraged, and oh no, I did it again. The struggle against sin includes relapses, and it's overwhelming, that struggle. And when it comes down to it, we often feel, to use Paul's word, we often feel wretched. Beloved of Harvest Bible Church, it's okay to acknowledge that you are a mess. It's right for you to confess that you've gone off the tracks. Our world is so focused on self-care. Careful, not saying all self-care, that you don't need to take time, downtime, away time, to, to focus on your walk with God, etc., or physically, medically. But our world overall is so focused on self-care that we've lost track of the reality that we are really a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners. One preacher illustrated it this way. There's a reason we don't sing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, who saved a creature of self-esteem like me. When we see our sin accurately, we cry out, Woe is me, for I am undone. We don't have, we won't have a full understanding of the gospel's glory unless we first understand how wretched we are because of our sin. So I ask you, are you distraught over your sin, Christian? Do you ever pray like this psalmist prayed? O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Do you know that you are wretched? Or are you offended that you are identified as being a wretch? The struggle is real, isn't it? For all of us. Here's how backwards it is. This is how, you can, how it can look in your pastor's life. I, I do uh, some scripture memory work in the mornings um, during the week. And about 6.30, I, I, I do, a, do some time of memorizing scripture, and I have to walk when I do it. I don't know why, it just comes easier that way, so I'm walking, 
and, 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 try, and holding my cards and trying to memorize some, some of the word. And during the, the summer months, I walk around the park close to our house. And just I'm sure it looks weird to uh, people who see me, um, but that's okay. Um, you guys already know I'm weird, so, so we're good on that. Uh, uh, thank you. Um, but during, when it's dark, like it is now in the mornings, I come and I, and I come and use the auditorium. So I'm doing laps around the, the pews and walking out loud. And I'm, I'm walking out loud. I'm talking out loud and walking around. I walk out loud all the time. So I'm memorizing God's word, okay, in what we call God's house where we gather to worship God. I can, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that one minute. You know, half a mile away from God's house is my house. Two minutes away, I go home, see my kids off to school, and I can get, I can get snappy in a return and a reply to, to, to one of my family members. I can have a critical spirit. I can be judgmental in my attitude. I can sin in a whole bunch of different other ways. I had just been committing God's actual words to my mind and to my heart. And two minutes later, I'm doing something that is against honoring God. I'm clearly walking in disobedience to the very words that I've committed to memory of and to, to, to store up in my heart. And when that happens, the only thing I can say is, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Do you feel the struggle, Christian? Do you understand the back and forth? How about you? Has the struggle been real for you this week? Has the me first attitude been prevalent in your life? Were you again, let me just go ahead and put this, the easy one out there. Were you again impatient with your spouse? Was your addiction to the little pleasures of this life too strong this week? Your your food, or your phone, or your entertainment, whatever? Did you engage mentally or physically in immoral ways again this week? Was your temper on display in ungodly ways? Did you fall back into the trap of having a critical spirit? You see, every single Christian has experienced what Paul experienced. And we come to the point where we desperately cry out, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this? We are miserable because of our sin, and our helpless cry is an acknowledgement that our own sinful choices have left us in that state of misery. And when we look at our sin, we are correctly unhappy. There is nothing to delight in. And that is what Paul wants, wants to be delivered from. And, and that is the situation and the condition from which Paul wants to be released. And that is the bondage that every child of God wants to be set free from. We want to be re released from that misery, and we want to be released of that repeated failure of struggle. The struggle of the Christian life carries it with, with it a weight of responsibility to live holy and godly lives. And when we fail to do that, we, we acknowledge and we agonize that we desire to be relieved of our failures. And only when we recognize and accept that reality Will we be in position to, to make the second half of this helpless cry? You see, it's not just a declaration of misery in this helpless cry. It's not only a groan of, of declaring our misery because of the struggle. The Apostle Paul also gives a declaration of hope. In verse 24, he says, Wretched man that I am, 
Who will deliver me from this, the body of, of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul needed deliverance. I need deliverance. You need deliverance. All of God's children need deliverance. Paul declares that deliverance is available. The apostle doesn't leave us hanging. He gives thanks that deliverance comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul doesn't ask, huh, what do I need to do in order that I might be delivered from my sin? He doesn't say, okay, what's the next step? How can I fulfill the law better? What do I need to do? No, he asks the question, who, not what? And he declares that the only thing that can help him is the only way he can find deliverance is through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, so deliverance is not found in Paul's conduct. It's not found in our conduct. Deliverance is found in our Christ. He asks who, not what. Christian, look away. Look away from yourself and look to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we have a deliverer who promises to give us final and full deliverance from the body of death. No more struggle one day, Christian. No more jumping back into the grime of pornography. No more sassy, disrespectful uh, language to your parents. No more failing to love your neighbor. No more lying. No more cheating. No more stealing. No more sin. But not yet. And that's why Paul summarizes there in verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, the word of hope. And then he says, so then with, with the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. If I could say it this way, the war has been won, but currently the battle rages on. One day the battle will also be finished, and we will stand completely whole. Paul says in chapter 8, we'll get to here in a few, uh, beginning next week, in verse number 18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. All this foolish sinning that we participate in, all of the childish rebellion that we engage in, all of the, the, the temporary pleasures of sin that we find ourselves going back to, all of that will be history. One day the struggle with our sin will be past. One day the back and forth between our internal desires for good and our external actions of evil, it'll all be in the rear view mirror. One day the disappointment that we experience every time that we, that we fall into sin, all of that disappointment will cease. It will be done with. One day, all of the inconsistencies of our Christian life, all of the relapses into our besetting sins, all of the hurdles in the, in the quest for godly living, one day, none of those will exist again. Until then, we can declare our hope with Paul when he wrote to Timothy, and he said with great confidence, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Why can we have hope? Why can we long for that day? Why can we long for the day when all of that is history and in the rearview mirror? Because not of what we do, but because of who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, 
our helpless cry is both a, a declaration of our own misery. It's an acknowledgement. Ugh, I messed up again. And it's a declaration of hope. Yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord. He paid for all of my sin. We can only know that hope by looking away from ourselves and looking at what God has done through Jesus Christ, the cross. I ask you, friends, have you, have you done that? Is Jesus Christ your Lord? Have you come to the end of, of yourself and recognized that only through Jesus do you have hope for this life and the next? If you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, I invite you to call on Jesus today, even right now, to be your Savior. And if you'd like to, to talk more about that, I further invite you to, to chat with us after the service, schedule a time during the week, and we would love to show you how, how, how the gospel uh, is explained to us in the scriptures, how God looks at Jesus' perfect law-keeping, and he's willing to accept that as your record, even though you completely messed up and never kept the law. He's willing to accept Jesus' record on your behalf if you believe that Jesus did that, and if you repent of your sins. Christian, be patient. God is not finished with us yet. Are you going to mess up next week? Probably. But Jesus is going to deliver you. Jesus is going to give you full and final deliverance from all of your struggle with sin one day. So long for heaven. Long for the return of Jesus. This world... That's not our home. We're just passing through. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this, this mortal body must put on immortality. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Do you see how liberating it is to be honest about your wretchedness and to have confidence in your forgiveness? You don't need to cover up or deceive yourself or others about the reality of your own struggle. You are not the only wretched person. We're all wretched. We all need Jesus. So let's go, Harvest Bible Church. Let's walk forward not as perfect people, but as dependent people, depending on Jesus. Let's rest in the forgiveness that is provided through Jesus' death and resurrection. And let us help one another as we journey toward heaven. Let us rejoice in the promised relief that is ours in the future from our current struggle. The struggle is real, but thanks be to God that we are fully and finally delivered delivered through our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to celebrate the fact of the reality of our deliverance. So we're going to sing a couple of hymns together that remind us of God's grace, that reminds us of our journey when we were once bound for hell and now we are, now we are bound for heaven. That's all by what Christ has done for us. At this time, those who are being baptized are going to transition and, and take the